Welcome to Devalue with Mike and Caroline, the place where we talk about art and money and how creative people are navigating the ever-changing landscape of trying to make a living for their work. Today, we're talking with Gil Costello of The Basement and Taylor Cole, booker of The East Room and other venues around town and lead singer of the band Tales. Cool. Here we are. Hey. Hello. Thanks for having <laughs> us. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Uh, yeah, welcome to Devalued. Second episode. Woo. Very mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us who you are? You first. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> my name's Gil. I work at The Basement. I'm the booker slash talent buyer there. I uh, moved to Murfreesboro in 2009 to like play in bands and go to school and kind of try to figure it out. I uh, played in a bunch of different bands. And then I migrated over to the venue world in like maybe 2016. Uh, started working at a Sunday Amphitheater, just doing like side operations, which is forklifts and, you know, like scrubbing toilets and setting up chairs and bike rack, like really glamorous, fun <laughs> rock star stuff. <laughs> And then moved over to the basement east um, in 2016 or 2017, somewhere around there. Uh, I was just like a door guy at first, you know. I had really good advice from a friend of mine who was like, you know, if you want like a set schedule over here, you should just try to pick up as much as you possibly can. Like as many shifts, because everyone needs a night off at some point. So if you do that, you know, you'll be here all the time. And then eventually you'll just become like a regular face over here. So kind of took that to heart. And uh that's why you saw so much of me probably running door for like years and years. Uh, just like really, really dove into it and then started working in the basement as like a door guy. And there was just a vacancy for no one was really focused directly on that venue. Uh, people were kind of focused more on the basement East and that venue really benefits, I think from having someone just focused just on that. So I'm like really grateful for that opportunity. Yeah, Love everyone awesome. over there. Uh, shout out to grimy and the team cause they're the shit. You're doing a great job. Yeah, oh, sheesh. definitely. <laughs> sheesh. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks. I try. <laughs> uh, let's see. I am Taylor Cole. I sing for a band called Tales, and I play drums for one called Creature Comfort. I am the talent buyer for the East Room, and I'm going on, I think, six years of doing that uh, this year. I side hustle uh, talent buy over at uh, Mercy Lounge and the High Watt as well. And um, uh, I don't know, fan of local music here. You're so, also, yeah, your bands also are, are very reputable and dope. Oh, yes. yeah, thank yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. oh, thank for you. sure. I really appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of them. And like we were talking about Chalaxy earlier. Like, yeah. I think that's how we met is I just like saw you at the darkness and I was like, yo, that's that dude from Chalaxy. <laughs> yeah. I got to <laughs> say hi. <laughs> well, your band, oh, Grandpa, back in the day, you know, um, really grabbed our attention and we, we really liked you guys a lot and very like you were, symbiotic yeah yeah we, we got along really well um at every show we played together so and we still do and we still yeah. get along like really well you absolutely know, despite yeah. like working in venues that are about the same size like doing similar types of music like taylor's and i's relationship is like mm-hmm. super close yeah That's we talk Nashville, all the time baby mm-hmm. We That's text all the, the time about thing. bands and stuff. And commiserate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't even know that, so I'm glad yeah. that we got you in the same room. Yeah, yeah. I really assumed nice. that you had a lot of similarities because you are, you know, musicians and talent buyers mm-hmm. and just music lovers in general and supporters of bands in the scene. Uh, and our whole purpose for this podcast is to kind of talk about um, the relationship between 
art, music, and money, which nice. uh, are strange, you know, mm-hmm. everyone has their opinion strange on those things. Strange bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're just kind of curious. We'll just open it up like that. What do okay. you, do you have an opinion on those two concepts, those two words? Do you think those things go together? Art, music, and money? Yeah. Um, or just art and money? Mm-hmm. Art and money. Uh, definitely. I mean, they ha- money goes around, revolves around everything, right? I mean, you yeah. gotta have money to get to do things. But there are cool things that you can do um, with art that you can't do with anything else. Like, for instance, I was driving by um, Turnip Green. That's right around the corner. Mm-hmm. They're um, a pay what you want uh, art store. Essentially, they got everything from paint to you know weird little knickknacks and like I've picked up. If you see a tail show and sometimes you're like, where the hell did he get that guitar? That's a um, pinata. <laughs> well, I got that at Turnip Green for like a quarter. <laughs> nice. you know, like Samantha and I, you know, go to uh, my my partner Samantha and also a team member. She works on a lot of my bands. Uh, go to Turnip Green for you know a lot of supplies and things that you can get for you know whatever you can give that day um so it kind of, and you know something really cool about the music scene especially here is uh camaraderie that exists that can exist between people and mm-hmm. little bubbles of people that share um they work on each other's albums for free and they you know support each other so i mean it comes the beautiful part about that comes in little ways you know but yeah i mean you need money to do stuff and hopefully you make money from your shows mm-hmm. and you can make money from your shows you yeah. just have to set it up that way exactly i would say that that's like the main thing that i think we can probably speak on as far as like money and art is combined is like i think bands generally make the most of their revenue in town from their local shows and stuff mm-hmm. and um i've had some conversations recently with a friend of mine who plays in a band called Bloodroot. shout out taylor um, they're great. She was kind of talking to me about how unequitable shows have become and how difficult it is for bands to either break even or make like a significant amount of money and kind of like how it's our responsibility as like new faces in this world to kind of try to steer the ship in a different direction. And the main responsibility I think that I've taken on myself is like increasing ticket price. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, the standard a few years ago was five dollars you know yeah. you pay five dollars to go see your friend's band any day of the week the standard but since the 70s has been five dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like the minimum wage mm-hmm. in that yeah. respect you know and it needed an adjustment so now all my shows basically start at 10. you know if a band Same. wants to do something advantageous by having a lower cover i'm not against it you know but five dollar shows just like it, it you can have 20 people in the room 30 people in the room 40 people in the room and make like barely any money but if you have it at 10, 15, mm-hmm. one or two dollars on every single ticket when you're selling like between 50 to 150 tickets is enough to, you know, buy gas for the entire van that day or get everyone food mm-hmm. or, you know, yeah. maybe re up on merch. So I'm definitely grateful for that. And I try to take that seriously too, you know, the yeah. fact that the bands need to make money. But yeah. as bookers of venues, I mean, you often have to like straddle this line between making the venue profitable. And also getting stage time, giving stage time to, to new bands and bands mm-hmm. that are inexperienced, unsigned, and unknown. Yeah. How do you straddle that line? I like this question because um, we talk about this at the East Room all the time. You know, um, my job is to make sure that there's a show every single day, you know, and within that, there are some shows that I can really bank on doing well. I know that I don't really have to check up on it much. And then there's some shows that, 
are new and then I'm bands that I'm paying attention to and scenes I think that I want to or that I hope grow you know um, so as a venue we know that not every show is gonna sell out hell it shouldn't because that would just stress out my the staff and they wouldn't want to come to work every day I mean hell even Mercy Lounge they should not sell every, out every single night because you're gonna stress out everybody that works there so um, everybody knows that, that just, just happens sometimes but that's okay because so you gotta start from somewhere, you know. So as far as from the venue goes, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you just roll the dice. Yeah. But is it that some shows are supplementing the the income for the shows that don't do as well? Mm, that's hard because every, there are shows I think are going to do amazing and then they don't. As far as, um, let's just go ahead and say that there are different ways to determine how what amazing means right mm -hmm. from the venue side if yeah. you're looking at sales that's one thing if you're at the venue side you're looking at well a bunch of 18 year olds came they didn't drink much but a bunch of people came and hopefully maybe this is their first time at the venue or and they now love it and when they're 21 they're going to come and you know right my so venue. there's different ways of measuring the success of it specifically right. uh i like to think about nordies to freeze um, who's probably, he's just my favorite dude. I love him so much. I love watching his career go from like somebody that I initially was like, uh, said no to booking, you know, it's like, no, not yet. You know, he was like, I want to book freeze fest. I'm going to do like 20 bands, two days, blah, blah. So like, <laughs> no. And he did it. <laughs> he did it fat bites and proved me wrong. Yeah. Know? I could I was, see that being like an intense request to receive from freeze. Definitely. But he totally does nail that type of shit. Yeah. yeah. And he, um, just and I, there were a lot of talks at Eastern when I started booking them. I was like, "Look, I know that their crowd is a little younger, but you know, just brace for that." With there's other shows this week where you can get a little bit more money. Just this one we're banking on for, you know, a couple years from now being those bigger types of you know upper echelon local shows. And then you start asking yourself, are bands just alcohol salespeople? That is a, a hard topic, you know. Um, where you know you want to sell food you know local merch for the venue and stuff but honestly yeah it's a lot that's how a lot of venues make their money is just alcohol sales um that's which, definitely the case with us yeah, you know i try honestly not to let it guide too much of my decision making because like they're it, i think it does kind of even out in the end if you're doing like a good job you know definitely. you can take risks on bands that may not have a drinking crowd just based on the fact that they're reputable and good and that can work on a certain night of the week and then you can always follow it up the next day with like bro country America, bro country <laughs> yeah. fest you know where people are going to get wasted but um that's like part of the value of like art you know is like connection and that doesn't have anything to do with well it does have something to do with alcohol because if you're a little loose <laughs> you're going to connect a little bit closer but I mean, other than like money, like the value that we put on art is like more experiential. Like one thing that I think we do to foster the newer and baby X is we have new faces night, right? Which mm -hmm. has been Grimy's thing for 15 years. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Tons of people have played it. And um, like just last night, we, or not last night, was it Tuesday last night? No, two nights ago. Uh, we had an artist who played new faces night named Caitlin James. And she's like, pretty stripped down acoustic very vulnerable honest and it just completely like cut through this rough exterior that you see like <laughs> i was just like very emotionally impacted by her music That's awesome 
Yeah, she had a song called uh, Playing Dead that was about like generational trauma and like overcoming that. And I just was like, Lord, I was like, wow, this is incredible. And you can't put a dollar sign attached to that. Mm -hmm. You can't buy that. You can't. Um, it just happens. And that's like a huge motivator for me, I think, is mo moments like that. Like money is obviously extremely important, but I'm grateful that I work for people that care about things like that, too, you know, and aren't yeah. so focused on one particular aspect, although that particular aspect being alcohol, it is like the primary source of revenue yeah. for us. I think I can speak for both of us. Like when we look at our calendars, you know, week to week, I'm not looking at, oh, my paycheck's going to be this. I look at like, is this going to be a good show? Are people going to come? Yeah. You know, is this band going to come back to the East Room or the Mercy Lounge or how are they going to... Um, be nice to my bartenders you know is this going to be a good time for everybody involved not or am i going to sell a shit ton of booze because that's you know you just hope you do well mm -hmm. as far as mm -hmm. your paycheck whatever that is but mostly we just do it because we love it yeah i love looking at a full calendar of really good shows but that's something that w this whole podcast is about this idea of like doing it because you love it versus actually mm -hmm. making a living yeah you know and that and that's another line that we have to straddle as creative creative people and it's something that bands often don't really know mm -hmm. when they're dealing with a booker or they're dealing with a venue that if it goes badly it's on you not on the band necessarily because the band will just float on into the ether mm. you know well that's mm, that's an important thing to talk about too because like um let's say this may be off subject um but let's say this comes up sometimes at the east room where people want to bring in their own sound guy or do something um, creative in the room, or whatever. If that uh, fails, you know, the as an average showgoer, knowing nothing about how the show went down, you blame the venue, not the band. That's true. So, my our job too is to be kind of the yeah. in between on that and say like, okay, is, is this band good enough to you know kind of trust them to to run it well? And usually, the answer is yes. But um, that is definitely a thing sometimes. But you know, I think it's also important to to discuss between venue and band whose show it is mm -hmm. because it's the band's show. Yeah, it's not our show. Right. You right. know, we may be hosting you for the night and providing what you need to do that event, but it is ultimately the band. You and your your bandmates and everybody else who's playing are responsible for you know promoting it. And that's something that you mentioned at the beginning like a show could be profitable if you set it up that way correct so how do you set it up that way to be profitable do you want to start on that one or you want me to i think the first thing is like we talked about a second ago just adjusting ticket prices so that you know at the end of the day when you're making that settlement check it's a lot fatter you know mm -hmm. i think that's the easiest thing that you can do is start to experiment and get a little bit more confident with like 10 15 as a cover because my friend when we were talking about it she was just like you know Sorry you didn't get to go to Chipotle that one day during your week right. to buy a ticket to my show. But I've been working on this project for how long? You know, and uh, I think that's like one of the first things you can do. Um, and other than that, like the most important thing to making a show profitable is just making sure people are there, right? You know, and like promoting your show, making mm -hmm. sure that you're out doing the rounds and letting people know that you're playing. Because there's traditional promo, which is like posting about it on social media. And then yeah. there's like the street promo where you're just like walking around, you know, going and making connections with the people and getting them interested in what you're doing. Definitely. I, you know, if, if you care about it, other people are going to care about it. And that even 
uh, trickles down to your own bandmates, you know, and that's probably the hardest thing to do is, as a band leader or uh, a solo person, whatever, even harder than is getting a group of people to promote the show that you're really caring the most about. And then you get the other bands to care about it. And suddenly you have like 16, you know, people that are pushing the show all over the place, you know, and it, it does work out. I believe anyone can bring out 50 people any night for sure. If you, you just got to want to. But I mean, it is a little harder nowadays. Um, you see a lot. I think you have to have enough time to. Sometimes, yeah, depending on who you are, for sure. Like, um, part of our job, I feel like, is like coming up with a show on the fly because of maybe like a cancellation Mm -hmm. or like something falling through the cracks. And who can I hit up in two weeks to fill this date, you know? And uh, that's not always advantageous, you know, to the band. Sometimes they can pull it together, but the best thing that a band can do is be planning like months in advance and being strategic about when they're playing. Yeah, something we talk about all the time is when bands um, play a little too often, too. If mm-hmm. you are playing uh, this Friday and then next Thursday and then two weeks from now again, it's like, who do you think is coming to see you this often? Yeah. <laughs> like, you are not the raconteurs, man. Like, this is, <laughs> this, you got to know it for what it is. So, yeah. and to the touring band that you're most likely playing with that asked you to play all these shows, the venue that uh, likes you and likes your band, they're all depending upon you and to bring people out. That's true. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at the touring band, you're like, sorry, um, there's no money to be made. That's on y'all. You know, mm-hmm. like, because not every touring band has a local draw yeah. here. Yeah. So. That's a difficult thing, too, that I think uh, I'd like to know your thoughts on. It's one thing to try to cultivate your hometown crowd, and that's hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, to be strategic in that way, but to try to tour, it's become more and more important uh, as streaming has kind of come into the main point of music at this mm-hmm. point. You can't talk about music without talking about streaming. And I think back in the day, you know, the 60s and 70s, the your album your touring was in support of your album release. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, more about selling the album and the touring was just in support of that. Mm-hmm. Now that the music industry has changed so drastically, it's almost reversed yeah. where you're putting out an album just to have something on the internet so people can listen to you. So maybe they'll come to your show when you come to their town. Yeah. It's like a report card. Yeah. It's very <laughs> strange, but who's giving you a grade, uh, you yeah. know? So it's um, how, how do you think bands can better do the touring thing because it is so important? How do they better appeal to people like you who are making the gatekeeping decisions? And you could answer that from both sides because okay. you just, right, I'd, like, I'd right. love to. Right. Yeah. Um, first off, from the from the band side, like in Tales, we just put out a record and we are um, out touring and, and planning more dates and stuff like that. Like this morning, I had a phone call with my booking agent. And uh, we planned like, okay, so here are some target markets that we enjoyed playing. We're going to go back to them. But like Atlanta, we played for a first time not too long ago and about 200 people came out. And that was a lot of work. Um, and that was a team of people. That was me, Samantha, uh, Chris, you know, uh, Samantha's intern, doing a whole lot of um, d- deciding on what locals were getting, uh, making sure they get they have a good deal, you know, that they care about promoting the show. We even got... Um, 
an out-of-town band that happens just to do well in Atlanta who was really excited to promote there. And then um, on top of that, we did a lot of work on marketing, a lot of work on TikTok and um, Instagram spins. And I know it. we were talking about money. I know it's hard. Not everybody has a lot of money to put in to ad spins. I certainly don't. But, you know, even if I allowed myself to spend like 50 bucks on an Instagram ad that says, I mean, you literally have to say, hey, Atlanta, like if you're whatever city you're targeting, because the Instagram, you know, algorithm or whatever will pick that up and show it to people in Atlanta. It totally works. Mm -hmm. Same thing with TikTok. So you'll see me with, you know, hey, Atlanta, we're doing a giveaway. Da, 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 da. Hey, you know, Charlotte, we're doing this. And that showed up. People were, you know, coming out just to see our band. And, you know, we had people, a good place to start is, is are people in your band from different areas. You know, like Michael is from Atlanta. So he had like at least 10 friends that came, you know. So it's just good places to start. As far as me at the East Room and booking, um, first and foremost, I'm looking for a good email. Yeah, you know, that's like, the most important thing. <laughs> God. And also an email directly to me, not a, like a MailChimp. Do you read MailChimp? Yeah. Uh, I don't read any. I don't read. Man, if you this... send me an email that you also sent to every single mm -hmm. other venue in the country or in the region, I guarantee you I didn't read it. I also don't read <laughs> Indie on the Move yeah. or Indie on the Go or whatever. I don't think I get any of those. I get them all the time. I don't use them. Mm. I'll read an email that is spent that someone spent like five, ten minutes out of their day sending directly to the basement or directly to me. I'll at least listen to what you have to say. I might not necessarily respond to it. But it doesn't have I to be crazy least, either. Yeah. I mean, yeah, concise is good. You know, yeah. a nice like email that doesn't take too long for me to read. With. I don't need your biography. No, just links to <laughs> I will your find it. Links to your music, links to your social media, and uh, like a range of dates that are specific. I like to say the more info, the better. Where's your head at? Like, are you thinking... Even if you hadn't hit them up, what bands are you thinking about joining your show? Right. Um, how many? Did you already play Nashville before? How many people came? If not, you know that's all right. Let mm -hmm. me know where you're at. Do you have some friends in Nashville? Um, are you thinking about? You know, I know so and so and so and so band, and they're really cool. I think we're friends. Maybe they'll play. Awesome. I'll give you a hold so you can check that out and see mm -hmm. if it works. But if there's no conversation and it's just some shitty email taking up my time, then <laughs> it's gonna be a shitty email taking up my time right in my trash can. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. It's tough to get attention in a sea of emails that I'm sure you get inundated with every day. We read them all. Yeah. Except if they're MailChimp, then wow. you don't. In, like... I mean, I'll look at, <laughs> I, I look at them, but I mean, the Indie on the Go stuff, it's the same thing. They're, they're emailing a bunch of venues at one time mm -hmm. and hoping for the best, which is okay, but that's just not what I do. Mm. Yeah. I want to know that you care. Yeah, like when I, I'm looking yeah. at your Instagram, I yeah. want to see, even if your last show wasn't in Nashville, did you promote? Did you post about it do your did your band members all you know sometimes i'll look at your other band members you know and friends like what, what's it like are you promoting and marketing and do you care about your own music or are you going to hope to play like two hours you got a bunch of covers and <laughs> you know we'll play for beer you know like what is are we that, creating is that how you measure if a band cares about their own music is how much they promote it mm -hmm. that's interesting i mean we like think about it why why do the thing if you're not going to promote your, your yeah. record or your, you know? It really shows when people don't care about a show. And if you care about your music, you're probably going to care more about your shows. It's not always the case. And, you know, sometimes I think people get caught up in making mistakes that are avoidable. Mm. You know, like the overplaying thing that we were talking about or maybe just not, like, uh, properly, like, promoting the show and, like, like, bringing awareness to the fact that you, it even exists. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate at the basement in particular that I have like years of records that I can look through. Mm-hmm. Like that was like one of the biggest gifts to me is just like being able to look at oh this person did. 56 tickets in 2016 Mm. and then in 2017 they did like 75 like you know they've been building a little bit that's like an interesting thing too on the point of like commodification and um like money and art having like a marriage and a value like actually in the concert industry there's like a number attached to it you know Mm -hmm. what i mean there's Mm -hmm. like an attendance you know and that that does that depends on a number of different things you know it isn't a reflection on the quality of the art at hand but it is a reflection of like the engagement from people you know what i mean and people's uh willingness to throw their money at the artist you know yeah. mm-hmm. it's yep. important to note i think that um not always am i booking just on my musical taste you know it mm-hmm. honestly does not matter what i think is good or not because that's true if yeah. people are going to come who cares what i say you know like if it's but i think that's fantastic because um why would you be the arbiter of uh, if yeah. you hate doom metal and you you know people love doom metal so why why do you get to decide yeah you know what's good or bad yeah. you're just trying to put on a show if it's a good time i, I want it period right. mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly that's cool at the end of the day we just want people to have a good time at our venue and go out forth into the world saying i love the basement og and i love the eastern mercy line I just that's all you want really mm-hmm. and hopefully you make money <laughs> on the other side of that coin though as you're both musicians do you feel like if you weren't getting the public response that you felt you deserved from your mm. amount of effort, would you stop? I did that. Mm. I, I did you that. You stopped? Yeah, I stopped. Like, Why did you stop? Uh, I wasn't getting the amount of response that I wanted. Like, I got so fed up with just, like, the lack of engagement at shows that I was like, I quit. Mm. And mm. that is, like, not a great place to be. I'm grateful sure for hurt. it in an extent in an, an extended way because it brought me into venues. I didn't want to completely pull myself out. I started working at an amphitheater and then that led to like a career path. But that also led me to this idea that I can separate my art from my income. You know what I mean? And just do art and enjoy it again. You know, so a few years ago, you just feel like there's this like weird gaping hole. I mean, like that needs to be filled with something and the only thing that can fill that is getting on stage and singing your music in front of people. Like nothing else can really scratch that itch. You can mm-hmm. book a million shows at your venue, but at the same time, like getting to, I'm very cathartic in the way that I play. Like I'm not so much about um, being the center of attention as it is like getting something off of my chest and out into the universe. Um, so yeah, like that can be like an intense process and you can get fed up with it, but time, uh, time away from it is time wasted too. But where do you, get that fulfillment now i still play i still play so i separated like um i took a lot of pressure off myself because you know in those a few years in between me starting at the amphitheater and me beginning to play music again like i said there's just like kind of like an emptiness and i was like I got an I got an offer to play Burrow Fondo in Murfreesboro this year. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like three or four years ago. Okay, which is like a festival that has happened in Murfreesboro for like over a decade. It used to be Tour de Fun. Yeah, uh, was that's a whole nother. Yeah, it was established oh, by yes. Met Dad and yes, yes. Tyler Walker. You know, who's like an OG OG. Sassy. love him. Yeah, um, I got an offer to play that show, and I went, 
and I played. I was actually playing with Melanie Faye too. Melanie Faye mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. right in this writer's round with me. And I was like, oh man, like it doesn't have to be so complicated. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be about like an end game goal. I can literally just go after this because I enjoy it now. Mm. Separating those two things. And that's what a lot of musicians that are in bands that you like do. Do you think that that's where we're at though? Is that each musician has to decide because of the way the system is set up currently that they have to decide whether they're going to play the game or not? Um, there are many different ways to yeah. be a musician right now, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends who are doing really well on Twitch. I mean, making tons of money on Twitch, just you know, str- looping and doing all kinds of stuff. And I mean... What do th- they do, if you don't mind me asking? I'm... I'm that's well, not a platform that I'm like super familiar with. I've I've seen a few things yeah, on there. She does a lot of um like video game music or like playing like um covers and, and looping. I mean, and there's a ton of that. There's a ton of people just playing video games, a ton of people just talking. Um Chris, I forget I don't know I know his last name well enough to say it, um, but um his name's Chris. And he has um this Twitch channel where he uh, reviews people's music he lives here in nashville and he i think he used to manage arlemar um he reviews people's music and demos and stuff and you know he gets pretty good viewers on that too like um, so there's many many different you know outlets and ways to reach people and different ways to do what works for you but if you're talking like general indie rock band you know people with guitars and (laughs) you know singing and doing that thing then you know that's its own thing I've seen, I've seen people get really creative, like, with their talents, too. Like, maybe a musician who is also a talented painter mm-hmm. creates, like, a one-of-a-kind piece project. Or Liz Cooper did like, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. a small limited run mm-hmm. of, like, I think of Nicole Atkins, too, specifically. She yeah. had, like, an animal series that she did where she was, like, every day she would, like, draw, like, a raccoon or, like, a <laughs> fox or, you know, a, a different animal. And then people would purchase her art from her, you know. And that's, like, I think... I learned this in school that people tell you to exploit your talents and it's seen as like a negative thing. But if you really think about what you're doing, you're just like taking the things that you're naturally good at and then trying to generate revenue with them. Mm-hmm. Caroline, you're great at this. Oh, you're yeah. great at this. You oh, know what I mean? Thanks. Like I literally just hired you a few days ago to do this exact same thing. So you know what I mean? Like you just find. <laughs> Thank little, you know both. The goat. The goat. I am so poor. <laughs> I am just desperately poor. You should charge more for your art. But I... Uh, it definitely is worth it. I mean... Well, and I appreciate that, but what would we... I mean, you know, who whose pocket would it come out of? Mine. I'm happy to pay that. For but the, I don't want that. Here's the thing. You have value. You have, value. You have so much value, yeah. though. Yeah. You not only have a great yeah. turnaround time, easy and fun to work with, your art is really good. Bless. I mean, like, so there's reasons why people pay <laughs> yeah. top dollar for stuff like yeah. that. That's Those are all true things. That's mm-hmm. really nice. But, I mean, as yeah, we how, talk... How, about, how fucking rare is that to have someone that I is have good, had a lot of really, yeah, yeah, I've easy had to work so with. many bad... Um, relationships with artists and stuff outside of the band when it comes to like visual or video art you know yeah. stuff it's like you have been the real great constant for me well mm. i appreciate that but i am also uh just i have a lot of things set up for me that a lot of people don't i mean i yeah. have a lot of free time at the moment because i'm not struggling like i don't have a lot of bills 
that are just breathing down yeah. my neck all the time. So I'm lucky in that way. So I appreciate you both, really. But I do have to remember, like, not everyone has the same opportunity right. to Definitely. be timely as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to, I try, I try to be on time pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just one of those things, you know. You you do it because you love it, and then after a while, you're like, well. I do have to charge yeah. something. That's a, your but that's time a is weird valuable, thing, yeah. though. It's a weird thing because that's the. It's it seems like culturally everyone's saying like do what you love, do what you love, mm-hmm. but it's such a weird way to operate because not a lot of the majority of people don't get to do what they love. Definitely. I mean, I'm in a create. I'm in marketing. I'm in a creative field, but I don't like. I don't love marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, no one loves marketing. Marketing <laughs> is like a tool to, for people to like consume stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like I love, you know, music. I love creating music. But um, I'm lucky in the sense that like my my m- the money that I make isn't derived from music, so mm-hmm. I, I, it's still pure. I don't get to lose. Um, I get to keep the value of it intact. You know, if if that makes sense. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to Gil about this specifically because um, I have watched very closely your uh, connection with socioeconomic issues Mm -hmm. especially over quarantine you've been very vocal about that and been highly involved which thank you for doing all of that and i appreciate you so much and and rooting for all the causes that you are like i feel like we're brother and sister in that right and thank, thank you so much for saying that but i feel like that feeds into this in a way where if we are able to raise the bottom floor for everybody mm-hmm. that it would give us all enough breathing room yep. to be able to pursue the things that we actually love whether that is something like music or just spending time with your family more mm-hmm. or thing you know just things that aren't work right you're talking about restructuring the entire yes economy. i am yes i am i am <laughs> and that's a beautiful premise <laughs> I'm on board. I, well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if the things that you loved were all of a sudden like you know commodifiable and ex- you can exploit them in a way that is again like good? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, wouldn't yeah. that be the ultimate case scenario? And like, what responsibility do me and Taylor as like t- talent buyers promoters have to the musician? The answer is like, it's it's a it's a two way street. You know, we owe you the opportunity to maybe start you know your career at our venue. That's what. I think it's me super excited, you know, yeah. is like capturing something on a very early, early, early time period. I like how you phrase that. I think that's a beautiful way to phrase that. It was like you owe the artist the opportunity, but in turn, the artist owes something back. They, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like that, I love that. Because what Taylor said is completely true that it it's your show. You know what I mean? Like right. the venue is just the space that it's held in. Right. And speaking of marketing, you know, as the venue... If I got to market what's happening, and if I'm doing a good job as a talent buyer, there's a show every day. Mm. And I am, you know, on the marketing side, do you pick one over the other? No. You have to market each one every day, give them all the same amount of attention. You know, you can share announcements and stuff like that, but if you are, if I'm just marketing the Weird Sisters this Saturday, all the rest mm. of those bands that are looking at the, I mean, like, what the hell, Taylor? <laughs> you don't like us? What's what's the deal? You know, um, so, I don't know. Do you, have help? Yeah, yeah, Do you have help sure. with like the East Room's social media at all? Do you it's have, literally like, four people that run the East Room, man. Mm-hmm. It's the, the two owners, um, the 
Onage, the the bar manager, and then me. Mm-hmm. So like we're okay. all four general manage, and it's me and Luke that handle all the marketing. Got you. So I do most of like the sharing and commenting, and to it, I'm the only guy on Twitter for the East Room. And you, do you do a hundred percent of the booking? Yes, I'm hundred nice. percent of the booking at the East nice. Room wow. for the past six years, and then uh, for like you, technically you say about a little over a year and a half if you minus the pandemic that we were not open been yeah side hustling over at the high watt mercy lounge which has been a really cool eye-opening opportunity to see well, what it's like at the next level mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. beyond are you 50 cap rooms and stuff are you finding that since you know things are opening back up again that people are hungry for live music or is it the same old story where you know it's a struggle to get people to go to shows that that struggle will never end you know yeah. what i mean like <laughs> You're always going to be that guy bugging your friends to come to see you play. That will never end. You know, but the beautiful thing is that if you do what you love and, you know, maybe they love to come see you do that. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think attendance is a little low everywhere right now. Um, bar sales are up. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> uh, people are a little you know either they're sad they're either sad <laughs> i like to think that we were all home drinking yeah and our our um tolerance is up now so it takes a little bit more to get me turned these days <laughs> but I think, um, you know. I think that like uh when we first reopened there was like a huge oh, big time. attendance spike yeah. where like every show was selling out True. and everything was going crazy and we were all like looking at each other like damn this is what we were expecting to happen out of quarantine is very like, much yeah woo but then things didn't necessarily get better not as many people got vaccinated um and now i think we're at this point where people are becoming selective about the shows they go definitely, to definitely yeah it's not necessarily that they're not going to shows or that they're too afraid to go to shows it's that the amount that they expose themselves to is pretty reserved to like people they really want to go see so the smaller bands that are developing and stuff like that are they're in for a tough time for the next like for for the immediate future mm-hmm. you know whereas before when we first reopened it was like a band that i never heard of could completely sell out the basement and yeah then I'm people like, were wow. just coming to yeah. the east room and you know just to see a show from nowhere mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen all the time where you know no that was like a beautiful amazing was wonderful it because thing. it felt special do you think that trying to capture whatever that was that like feeling of this is a special moment that i cannot miss um do you think it's possible to like recontinue yeah that definitely that i mean happens, you're you're that, yeah. obviously the one to ask taylor you are oh, you. <laughs> every show i've ever been to of yours like okay what's it gonna be now what's the what what multiple yeah. takeaways from this show are we gonna have i i, I really appreciate having that uh, reputation <laughs> you've earned it <laughs> um yeah no i definitely Again, if you care about it, if if you're out there saying, I care so much about my art and what I'm doing, and even if you don't like it, that's a part of the fucking ride. Um, I even love that part of the ride, you know. Um, then I think other people are going to care too. I think that it comes back to you. The energy you put out, you get back, you know, in most things. Um, so I, I think... I will say this about you too, Taylor. Like, it's am- amazing the amount of focus that you're able to give, like, those many different things. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Like, the the amount of ability that you have to focus on the quality of your booking, as well as the quality of your music, as well as the quality of your performances, as well as you're just, like, an amazing human as well, you know? Like, all those things, man, are... 
You know I've looked up to you for a long time, you know? That means so. the world to me, Gil. Thank you. you bud. I love you. This is the sweetest room ever. <laughs> Isn't that? Well, that's man, the... I needed that today. I had therapy this morning, and I really needed that today. Hell yeah for therapy. Can we get just a little hell yeah for therapy right now? Shout out. <laughs> so um, we're getting close to our wrap-up time. Oh, but... wow. I, I could do this for another two hours. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, when you look at Nashville and all that it's becoming, obviously, are you optimistic about the future of live music here yes i will say from my point of view but i'm 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 a i do not like to look back and say what could have been if only you know we were still doing more of the old nashville stuff man go towards the future yeah mm -hmm. let's go new nashville like let's invest in new bands and and people young people that are doing think cool things and you know everything that's new let's go let's how do we make this work for everybody and you know um, I have to think that way, man, or else why are we doing it? You know, mm. like, of course, why not? That's just the world I want to live in, at least. You know, my well, my, mine takes a little bit more somber. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact yeah. of <laughs> you know, bands that are starting right now, they're you're just gonna have to work a little bit harder because it's That's way true. more difficult to get people out to your shows right now. You have an added challenge that I respect and I take into account, but like Taylor said, the amount that you put into it is the amount that you're going to get out of it. And um, the amount of preparation and strategy that you can have behind it is going to reflect on the, and the commodification of yeah. it. You know what I mean? You got to plan your roller coaster. Yeah. If you want to make mm. a bunch of money playing a show, treat it that way. You yeah. know what I mean? And tell all of your friends about it and don't mess around with a bunch of opportunities that are going to dilute that. And you mm -hmm. know, another thing too about just, something that Taylor and I hate like communication with the people around you helps a lot too. Mm -hmm. you know just like understanding that like I want your band to get paid if you have an opportunity to go to Franklin and make like 750 bucks at a cover gig like yo I'm gonna be like go do that yeah just hit you know us up I mean? yeah you got another gig or something around the one you got playing with that just we're people too we play, we play music yeah, yeah we <laughs> understand just dude. say like, hey yeah. man I wanna do this thing get, is it cool I get to open up for the fucking offspring like tight dude <laughs> yeah would do that there's ways around making both things happen mm -hmm. you know and yeah we want all the best opportunities for you in the world seriously even if it's not at my venue yeah absolutely yeah so we're optimistic about in general i want to say something about you know you're talking about younger bands that are just starting yeah i would say they dig out at least a little leg up as far as new marketing techniques go very true because yeah. and i know Every musician doesn't want to talk about TikTok. And it <laughs> seems like vomit in my mouth when I say the word. <laughs> but it if if only I knew the the, the platform more sooner. Mm -hmm. You know, right? Only now do I feel comfortable using it and feel good sharing what I want to on it and, and know how to use it actually. But younger bands who could just you know, all their high school friends and stuff are on TikTok and following they already have a cool following. Just it's go like for second it. nature for them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo played her first live show recently like a mm -hmm. couple really? of weeks ago or yeah. months like no and it was completely is, so. sold out oh that's cute <laughs> <I'm sorry>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I really she don't. does that like uh, that song about Driver's like driving. Like yeah, yeah, uh, that yeah. Paramore ish yeah, one. Yeah, it like I, I don't mean, know. She, I think she's been sued for both of her hits so uh, far yeah. for songwriting credits. <laughs> Ooh, see, um, oh man. But Carolina. regardless of that, uh, that's, that's a, a whole nother. That's, that's we'll another take a, whole nother we'll take another thing. But uh, <laughs> we'll the point episode. being, she has achieved worldwide fame and wealth beyond anything we will know um before she even played any live shows so things are yeah, changing again there are things changing again i'm not saying it's good or bad i'm yeah. just saying it's going to be different there's gotta, usually mechanisms kind of behind that though, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? but like, being able to roll with the wave you know right whatever that is well thank you both so much for coming thank on. you for having us yeah this, this was fun. really yes. fun yeah. well i loved how you asked last time how we can support you and your various oh. projects and causes um, you can support me by going to the OG basement and, and seeing Gil's shows because <laughs> that will in turn make me happy to, oh. to see Gil's shows doing well. And I'll say the same about Taylor's shows, you know, that, that, that really is the spirit of this industry is, you know, like mm-hmm. keep it, you know, a rising, uh, what is the expression? Tide? The rising tide lifts all ships. Love that. That's yeah. what I yeah. live by too. Mm-hmm. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> well this was really fun yeah. perfect yeah thanks guys thank, thank you so much of course <laughs> wow that was awesome oh my oh, yeah. god I loved it <laughs> I had other things that I was like considering trying to like whip it over to but I'm like no we're doing fine this is <laughs> like this what? is great yeah Broadway oh, I wanted to uh, ask you about should we, wrote, we could edit it in yeah I can if you guys want to sure yeah, yeah. I got we time. can talk about whatever that. you want to talk about I got what time, time. Is it? it's five. Oh yeah oh, I don't want to keep you too I have like 30 minutes and you okay. got Americana Fest it today yeah I gotta go to baseball oh uh, you might be seeing me I gotta there. exploit myself and commodify myself actually that is a part of hustle yeah I was Samantha's like you want to go work this out of town festival and I was like no because I gotta go to Americana Fest and show just be around the schmooze yeah <laughs> it is really a good, you know, way to meet people for what we do. Definitely. You, agents and I feel like Americana Fest is just agents and managers that go to shows. So I wanted to, we Taylor, you mentioned um, the next level of venue, which mm-hmm. makes me think about uh, the ecosystem of the Nashville music scene and any music scene. There is some sort of level to various rooms of various sizes and bands of various polls and uh, I feel like we can't discuss the Nashville music scene fully without talking a little bit about Broadway. Broadway. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts and feelings? Well, I have a personal, like my inside of my own heart, right? <laughs> I, I, I hate it. I hate, the, <laughs> I hate Broadway. Like I'm I've written it off as it's never going down there again just because how they handled the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And which was how. Yeah. Well, and you might have to fact they, check me on this, but so yeah. the, when we were all supposed to close down all venues, if you consider yourself a venue here in Nashville, you're supposed to close. What they did is said instead was charge more money for a hot dog or a buffet that you didn't know you were buying. Um, like it comes with the the booze. That's so right, yeah, then yeah. you are suddenly a restaurant we were, because you're selling yeah, yeah. more food than booze. So that's how they got to stay open. Mm. And they continued to still, I mean, through the, the mask policy and just everything left and right. And then we, as venues, like 
I'm going to call us venues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Broadway's it's uh, they're just mm-hmm. honky tonks, whatever. Um, struggled to make the difference between them and us to get government funding to stay open. Mm-hmm. And they they were trying to get our money, essentially, that the government said belonged to entertainment venues. And we we're over here like, no, no, no. You're not a venue. You're a bar with the stage. That's where MVAN yeah. came, you know, and, in and really helped to make the, the there's the now definition between Broadway and us. Mm. There's a deciding factor there. So you have to like understand too that like Broadway, like, when was the last time that you saw someone do like an original set that wasn't like at at Acme? Yeah, you know, like that might be one of the only places where you'll hear someone playing like material that they wrote, and like, I mean, it. I think that you know, in the days of your before the pandemic, there was like a purpose for Broadway. You know, as like mm-hmm. an independent musician, it was a way for you to exploit your talents and get paid. You know, you may not. It might be somewhat soul crushing based on your musical taste. But it was no necess- It was still necessarily like an opportunity for a bass player to go to, you know, Roberts and make a bunch of money and a bunch of money in tips and stuff. Yeah, like or that. meet other musicians. You know, so like in the days of yours, was like can't really knock it, even if it's not necessarily like my vibe. But yeah, like the way that they handled the pandemic made it almost impossible for us to do the things that we did. I mean, yeah, the whole reason that we started doing outdoor shows in the first place was born like out of necessity of like, what, what is like a way that we can do this that is safe? Mm-hmm. You know, like, because I think in 2020, like, I think I, I did trivialize like the importance of music. You know what I mean? Because I was experiencing so many things that mattered to me deeply. You know what I mean? And I was very invested in causes that were, beyond the realm of just like your personal enjoyment you know more based around like the sanity of life and um you know when we re-emerged out of the ashes at the basement it was in pods of four and you had to have your mask on and you know you could only buy a ticket of four because that way you were predisposed to bring people in your covid bubble and a lot of thought went into it. You know what I mean? Like a lot of conversations between the owners and the GM Tara. And um, that just seemed like the only way to do it responsibly. And um, I am really grateful that I was part of showing the world that that was like a thing that could be done. You know what I mean? Because then you started seeing venues in like other markets reduce their capacity and like, you know, sell groups of tickets together. Like, um, I think it was important to show that like even if Broadway is going to do their own thing like let them you know that's not that's not us yeah it's really separate even when you think about like the genre of music and the type of music that's being played because I I don't book cover bands but I think that what 2020 revealed was not only that that the pandemic threatened music venues because you weren't allowed to open but also like the development creep that's coming threatened the exit in. Mm-hmm. GoFundMe had to mm-hmm. save the exit in, mm-hmm. and of all places, so, somewhere yeah, that should right. never even be. I know, but even, but it's like these music venues that we kind of take for granted that is always going to be yeah. there. They're always going to be able to support local artists. That might not always be the case. Yeah, yeah. you got to remember and, somebody owns the property on most most cases, mm-hmm. you know, and then somebody owns the business. Mm-hmm. So at any time, you know, a lot of your favorite places to go to do anything could become something else. That's so true. So it happens 100% all the time. true. Yeah. So it's more important now than ever to be uh, purposeful about supporting the things that you care about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even more than that, 
um, to pressure the people that are making the bigger decisions about where our city funding goes mm -hmm. and things like that to value those things also. Because it's one thing to ask every person, please give us $10 for an evening. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it's another thing to try to take it a step further and make impacts uh, in in bigger ways. Uh, yeah. Of course, you know, I'm all like fight the system type of thing. But I, <laughs> I, I do feel like that's an important part of this conversation um, is to like expand the view beyond just uh, crowdsourcing, which you're so great at. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. But there are bigger things that we can look to for change also. You made me think about something um, that I know that you and I are thinking about a lot lately. Um, in that requiring proof of vax and or um, negative test to get in kind of a huge responsibility on my shoulders that I've never felt before mm. feeling like yeah. like I don't really you know if anyone's ever called me like a, a leader in the scene or something like that I don't really I'm like whatever you know it's it's you it's the it's everybody's doing the thing um but in this way I've felt a little bit of that and it is it's weird I would agree it's weird. I would agree. I mean, the example that I saw that I recommended to like Dave and Grimey when, you know, this idea was starting to go around was based off of Tipitina's in New Orleans. They were the first place that I saw. I mean, I heard that they were checking vaccine cards in uh, New York and LA for certain shows and stuff like that. But Tipitina's was like, you know, prove a vaccine or a negative COVID test within 48 hours mm -hmm. and that's it. And I was like, that's a really, really bold move. And I think that every venue should do that. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of not surprised, but like impressed and happy to see every venue in Nashville basically step up. You know, what was really cool about that day? So, you know, Imvan um, exists out of the pandemic, which is Music Venue Alliance Nashville. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, a lot of venues that I don't quite remember right on top of my head exactly every single one but um that we talk every other week and during the pandemic every single week about how do we keep each other open how do we support each other make sure nobody closes during this thing during this time and um you know just be really good for each other and i remember when we were deciding like this we're, we're gonna do this you know um and it was i was on the phone with grimy and you know everybody just dave kinda, and tara yeah, probably, calling yeah. each other just like when are we gonna do it like we've been waiting for for somebody to to do it and then when five spot pulled the trigger i said i called everybody at the east room i said we're doing it too i was like we're not about to be down the street from somebody and be you know not mm -hmm. reflecting their values of somebody that we love as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. you know we love the five spot we reflect their their values and mission as well so we, it, it was all just domino effect we were all just like let's do it let's go you yeah. know and it was a real beautiful thing to see everybody just back each other up because yeah. and even the, the, the weekend after that it was like Everybody survived the mean comments on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's the power of collective movement. Oh yeah. my god! You know, it's just a reminder that the things that you do uh, do have an impact. I mean, that venue yeah. in New Orleans probably has no idea that they were so inspirational to so many people. Definitely. And that Shout out it, to Tipitina. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and that that in effect, you know, changed the whole way that we're going about it here, and probably mm -hmm. many other scenes are going about it. Um, together yeah and i hope we can continue to do that with the with the rest of the music industry and yeah. shaping it in the way that is positive and mm -hmm. good to uh to add is 
we are consistently looking at the scene to show us what you want. You know, like literally those decisions came out of the people in our music scene saying that's what they, they were comfortable with and that, that we, we should I do. did like, yeah, poll like a bunch of my friends and stuff like mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic and just ask them questions about like, does this make you feel comfortable? Is it too soon? Like, what would you want to see? How would it make you feel if, you know, it was outdoors? How would you make yep. you feel if you had to wear a mask? And yeah. Yeah. It's, we just following what, what everybody wants really trying to make that decision it's that really great too you when you're like working the door and you're checking a vaccine card and someone tells you that they got vaccinated so they could keep going to a show yeah like that i, w- I was not anticipating that as much but uh, that's been happening a lot over at the basement where someone's like Some yeah man cool. got the jab like i had to fucking come to the show which <laughs> <laughs> gives value to live music at yeah. least for that person you know? yeah and that's and it's not monetary either it's like a yeah. different type of value that you're like associating with the concert experience at least yeah Okay, now we're done. Okay, <laughs> okay now we're done. <laughs> Thank you. That was awesome. That's a, that's perfect. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening to Devalued. For more information about our podcast, please visit devalued.show. <laughs>